If you're listening to this on an audio platform, you will notice during this episode for about 15 seconds, 15 real seconds, maybe 10 seconds, maybe 20 seconds, the audio goes quiet. And you'll think you're going to touch the car radio. You're going to look at your phone to see if it's still playing. Guaranteed. And wonder, why don't I hear anything? And we're going to leave this in because it's raw. Our guest shared a story that blew me away, made me cry. I'm not a crier. And it was eye-opening. We had on Alan Rosenstock of Tomchei Shabbos in Muncie to talk about poverty in the Jewish world. I think a lot of stories get a lot of buzz when you see a $2 million wedding, but there are untold stories about people who aren't making ends meet, regular people. And he is a unique character. I've never met anyone like him. He is super intense. He wakes up, as you'll hear in this episode, 2 a.m. He's like, I woke up late today, 3 a.m. Um, he came in for Muncie to do this. And when I met him, he's like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Push, push, push play, let's go. I got to go. He is in charge full-time now of a behemoth of an organization over a $10 million budget annually. And it wasn't, the episode's not really about Tom Chavez, but more about what he's seeing in the world of Judaism and finances. So be prepared. This episode's going to be a big one. Enjoy. Being a Jew? Awesome. Managing personal finances? Not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. Tell me what's wrong with this statement. Every Jew is rich, right? You think about money, Jews. Many Jews have big houses. They have great jobs. So poverty and Judaism, they don't coincide. True or false? It's about as false a statement as you can get. False. Wow. Tell me why. Well, unfortunately, society feels a need to measure people by a monetary yardstick, which is so, so false. People are all over the economic yardstick. And unfortunately, people feel a need to live beyond their means. And they feel the need to express their self-importance with a larger house than they can afford, nicer car than they can afford, et cetera, et cetera. No, Jews are like any other group. We have various, you know, people of various abilities. So no, they're not all wealthy. What are you seeing as it relates to Jewish poverty, right? You have certain areas that may be impacted more than others. You're in the Muncie area. And that area, thank God, is booming, right? There are many thousands more families than there were even five, 10 years ago. What are you seeing as it relates to people in need of support from others? The cost of living in Muncie is significantly higher than in places, certainly than Detroit or Cleveland, but even in Brooklyn. The cost of food is higher. Taxes are quite high, real estate taxes. Um, the cost of heating one's home is quite high. Regardless of how many people reside in the community, every year the cost of living increases. And people who are salaried, regardless of whether they do or do not get an increase in salary, it's not keeping up with the cost of living increase. Mm -hmm. And so more and more people are falling into a trap every day. And they need to be cognizant of that. And they need to address that. 
what's happening on the education side, right? Someone's growing up, they may or may not be receiving the financial literacy that they need to know. How are they being mindful of that? Are they being mindful of that? Or is that part of the issue when people are purchasing a home and then the numbers aren't adding up? So it's not just purchasing a home, it's it's living life. I'm going to try not to stereotype here, but unfortunately, a large segment of society does not prepare themselves, what we call shtadlas, to manage financially. Mm-hmm. Each of us can and must take ownership of our financial life, like every other thing. We are all responsible to make intelligent decisions. So it's not just a house, it's living, it's vacations, it's everything. So people are getting married, they start with a job, and then what happens when they start making some money? Do you find that their costs are going up, their wants are going up, and that's part of the issue here? Are people living above their means when they start out, they say, hey, I'm okay with one car of this caliber. And then they say, you know what, I'm making a little bit more money. Let me increase my lifestyle. Is that part of the issue? One of the people whom I truly respect is a man called Rabbi Shmuley Margulis, who lives in Israel, and he started Masila. He mm-hmm. brought financial literacy to Kalal Yisrael, and we all owe him a great debt of gratitude. Now it's, it's expanded past into various organizations, but he's the one who brought this to our attention. Let's talk about that couple. They get married, and they need a new car. You know, in fact, the husband and wife turn to each other and say, you know, the old car, it's in the shop so often, maybe once a month, will save money by getting a new car. Now, they have a vested interest because they want to drive around in a spanking new car. What you really need is to determine what's the differences between want and need. There's a difference, and how do you determine it? Often you need a third person to look at you and ask them, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Making intelligent decisions can be tough. Making decisions that will put you on the right trajectory in the long term is very rewarding. And even the journey itself, my wife and I have found to be very rewarding. It's easy to fool oneself. It's easy to just lose track and just keep going. But you know you're going to land up in a ditch somewhere. Why not address it early on? Is debt real? Are there are there people walking around, at least in, in your purview, with the people that the families that you're dealing with and things are being financed on credit cards? Because no one knows what their neighbor is doing or struggling with, right? All they see is the outcome, right? They see the house, they see a car, they see a vacation. They don't know. And sometimes people are misled to think that everyone else is doing it and I'm the only one struggling, right? Especially as you mentioned, costs are going up, right? If you're a salaried employee and you're making $100,000 a year and then you get a raise, you're making $105,000 a year, but inflation has gone up 10%, your cash value has gone down essentially. So let's go back to the initial question. Is credit card debt something you're seeing a lot of, a little of? What are you saying? Credit card debt, the average person with whom we meet who is in trouble due to credit card debt has between sixty dollars and $62,000 of credit card debt. Wow. How did they get there? The two motivations behind spending that money. Number one, they could be living as carefully as possible. They simply do not earn enough money to afford their lifestyle. Now, their lifestyle could be reasonable, but their kid's yeshiva requires them to pay tuition, and they don't have it. And then the yeshiva does them a favor and says, we'll take credit cards. And the supermarket accepts credit cards, and the gas station accepts credit cards. 
and the EasyPass accepts credit cards, and they're trying to be fiscally responsible. But rather than face decisions based upon real income and real expenditures, it's being put off till tomorrow. That's one one um, lifestyle that led to uh, sixty to sixty-two thousand dollars of credit card debt. The other one is people who feel the need to keep up with the Joneses, people who. They're sure that better times will come. Right now, they just, you know, this is the right thing to do. Let's just get that new car. Whatever the case might be, you know, we really need a vacation. You know, I know I'm going to be more productive at work if we just spend two weeks in Israel. And, you know, when we come back, we're exhausted. We might as well go out to a restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. People do that to themselves all the time. I don't think they meet poorly, but they've failed to take stock of their life financially and make serious decisions. What would you like to see? I mean, we're, we're going through this, like, lightning and there's so much we're going to unpack. But when you say something like that, my next question naturally is, what would you like to see different in the upbringing or the education or awareness so that people know that it's a trap, right? The whole credit card model is a trap to get you to feel as if you're spending someone else's money. And then at the end of the month, you turn around and it's your own money. So one thing is societal. Um, I'm a Yankee, so you'll have to excuse me for speaking um, a different language than many, many people would speak. I'm comfortable with myself, regardless of how much money I earn. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Most of my friends earn more money than, than I do. And it doesn't affect our friendship. It doesn't affect the way I view myself and my wife and I view ourselves. So that's societal. I wish more people would simply be comfortable in their own skin, not feel a need to make a bar mitzvah that exceeds their ability because the last one made a fancy one, not to make these large chasnas and to carry on. It's okay to just be a regular person. It doesn't diminish who we are. That's number one. Number two, um, we need to um, bring into our educational system. We need more classes where people can learn how decisions they make today will affect their finances in the future. People have to learn to not look at an Excel spreadsheet or use an Excel spreadsheet, they have to know how to live an Excel spreadsheet. If someone cannot manage to chart his income and expenses, it's going to come back to haunt them. Now, let's say someone, you know, we are all familiar with the Gemara that says some people are going to be poor and some people are going to be rich. It's preordained, famous Gemara. Gemara in Masechus Nida. Now, let's say someone is an Ani. He is going to need to accept tzedakah. He will have to accept charity. But let's say he, he's, he's running a shortfall of $75 a month. Rather than chart that and know he's running short and having to accept the charity of $75, he just pushes it off to another day. The couple simply puts things on credit card. They fail to chart on an Excel spreadsheet income and expenses. So instead of $75, and now burning a hole of $300 a month. So everything is manageable, even people who earn too little money. It is manageable. I remember a story going back. It's got to be 30 years ago. A woman, divorced woman, single mom, asked to meet with me. She can't make it through the month. It's every, she's so short of money. She's got debt. Can't figure it out. I said, you know, I'll meet with you. I'd like you to bring to my office. We said in the morning, I think it was 9.30 in the morning. I'd like you to bring with you three months expenses and income. And we'll sit down and talk. And she walked in with a shopping bag in one hand shopping bag, and all the invoices were there. She said, here it is. In the other hand, she was holding a coffee she just purchased at 7-Eleven. Mm. 
that story told it all. I mean, I was just amazed. I was respectful. I didn't point out the obvious. But how many of people are today? How many of us are today carrying a shopping bag of clueless, having a clue, and we have that purchased coffee in the other hand? We can't possibly make wise decisions until you understand what your finances are. It's impossible. Like saying, I'd like to drive a motorcycle blindfold. It's not reasonable. So if people would not only learn these skills, but feel comfortable with who they are and internalize it, I think societally would be much better off. And I understand the costs of living increase, and I understand that the challenges increase. But you can't address something you don't know. What does the data show, right? I'm sure you are privy to quite a few stories, but what does is, what is the data show? What, what are the statistics when you look at it? Are there concrete numbers? Have studies been done maybe in your area to tell you just exactly what you're dealing with? I should point out that 43% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Including that one. Yes. Okay. You'll switch it to 65%. It really depends on the day. It depends what you want. I can do it. Right. I can't give you statistics. You know, I, I can give you anecdotal, but that's, that's not what we're looking for here. I can tell you that people who are salaried are increasingly falling into the trap. Mm -hmm. People who are in a job where there's no pension and no planning will fall into poverty. It doesn't work. You need to plan for retirement as well. But I, I see it on the regular basis that people who could afford life if they were careful five years ago can't afford it today. Mm. Take a look at the cost of living from five years ago to now. I can't give you statistics. But you're seeing with your eyes an increase of people that are just not making it. That's correct. Wow. Wow. If I can add something, we have yeah. something else, which is a real societal problem, is marriages coming apart. Uh -huh. And now you have a woman who has a medium-sized income with two children, and there's no possibility, if they could hardly make it before on two incomes, there's no possibility that they're going to make it. And we're finding a larger and larger percentage of society where marriages are coming apart. This week alone, two nights ago, I got a phone call during a driving rainstorm. There was a woman and her two children, two babies, two-year-old and one-year-old. They're on the street. They're homeless. They left the shelter. Regular from people. Wow. And that's the, what gets me is that was not a shocking phone call. It's not the first, and it's unfortunately not the last. So we, we are adding that additional dimension to a, an already complex problem. Now, how many divorces did you know of 10 years ago? So we are complicating our lives. As the cost of living goes up and families are, to some degree, not staying together, what's the plan? And, we, and we're not keeping track. We're not keeping that Excel spreadsheet. What is the plan? We'll be right back to this week's episode, but I have an exciting message for you. Twillery, the performance menswear brand, long sleeve shirts, polo shirts, pants, suits, caps, socks. They have a lot, but I want to tell you again about these polo shirts. They are performance polos. So you can wear them out on the golf course. You can wear them in the office. You can wear them on a Sunday. You can wear them while taking a stroll. They are different than your typical polo shirt. I know you have in your closet polo shirts of yesteryear. Don't get rid of them. I'm sure they serve a purpose. But if you want long-lasting, good-looking polo shirts, take a look at Twillery. We're going to put the URL in 
the show notes below, twillery.com, and we have a promo code, okay? $18 off your first purchase, $18 off, use promo code CHAI, C-H-A-I. Even if you don't have an intention to buy because you don't need them, I recommend checking it out so that you are prepared when you are ready to make a purchase. You look up Twillery, you know about it, you'll see this T on the side of it, more and more people. There's just a comfortability that you have that you don't have in other shirts. It's a real game changer. Yes, they have the no sweat technology that sort of just evaporates in the air. No sweat stains. There are a lot of perks to it. I am not going to sit here and tell you about every single one. We'll split a a different perk into every commercial we do for them. Really, really cool stuff. Um, Yeah, click on the notes in the the link in the show notes, twillery.com. You may even be able to go to twillery.com slash kosher money which is kind of cool. We got our own little website. And use promo code CHAI. Save the 18 bucks on your first purchase. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Enjoy Twillery. Enjoy the rest of this week's episode. Are you finding divorce or the increase in divorce that you're mentioning is partly due to financial strains? Is that part of it? That's an age-old debate. Did the financial strain lead to divorce? Or does divorce lead to financial strain? The jury's out on that. That's been discussed and debated many times. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, for, for people listening today who are not privy to the phone calls that you are, to them, that's shocking that there's a woman and two kids on a street somewhere in the rain without a home, without a place to turn, and maybe not enough money even on a credit card for gas for that car. Well, that woman does not own a car. Wow. I had another one where the, the woman and her children were living in a car. Mm-hmm. And we have, this is unfortunately not the most unheard of things. Poverty has reached a, a level unthinkable just some years ago. So how much, how much does it cost to live in the tri-state area, right? You mentioned different parts of the U.S. and property taxes. And if you do buy a home, what are we looking at vis-a-vis maybe 10 years ago? Do you have a number as to, to what it takes to, to live maybe even in the Muncie area? I, I don't want to put a number on it. I do know that it's obviously dependent on how many children. If I may take a second, yeah. life is complicated, there's that Dave Barry, and I, I'm not a big believer in, in his uh, in his mahalach and his, his style. Life is complicated. You have a kid at risk. Teens need stuff. You can't deprive them. It depends on the family structure. It depends on the needs of the children. You can't deprive them, and yet you can't spend ridiculously. Life is meant of a sensitive balance. I remember when my daughter came home, she wanted hunter boots. I never heard of hunter boots. Uh-huh. Well, some designer boots that cost, I don't know how many, hundreds of dollars. And I consulted with someone, uh, a financial, financial consultant, just as of interest. Thank God I could afford it. And the person said, how many kids in that class have hunter boots? Is it a need? If it's a need, if she needs it, then she needs it. I remember, you know, I've held my position for many decades. And I had a jewelry store at the same time. I had, I had a jewelry business. And I remember a poor family. I watched on my screen from my back office, a husband buying a diamond bracelet for the wife. Mm-hmm. He was having significant challenges. There were major mental illness uh, issues in the family. Husband and wife were not doing well together, what we call shoulder bias issues. And he needed that. Now, I'm not going to get on a podcast and say, go buy a diamond bracelet. 
But I will say that if we want to bring up safe and healthy families, we need to give and take. We need to make wise decisions. We need to at least know where we started. And then to ask a friend maybe to consult with us, to be an impartial third person to tell us, no, you don't really need a new car. For you to go into shop once a month for $130 repair is a lot cheaper than buying a new car. But you can only do that when you have a friend and you have a plan and you put that together. It works. So you're involved in a charity organization, Tom Chavez of Muncie, which is not your full-time job, right? You, it is now. It is now. I was in the jewelry business. I saw my business and that's what it Yes. I founded it. But right. But it took over my life. Why did it take over your life? Woo. Uh, this is a short podcast. Yeah. Why did it take over my life? We started off helping people by dropping boxes of food at the door. Uh-huh. And then we said, well, you know, that's not good enough. Imagine if we can find someone a job. Highest level of charity is find someone a job. So we started finding people jobs. And that grew to the point that we needed to hire someone to just find people jobs. Then we found a whole segment of society that's undereducated. So we opened two computer labs. We have volunteer teachers. And we're giving courses. And it went from one component to the next. We've added components until this thing became, thank God, we're more than $10 million budget. It's a significant undertaking, multifaceted. When someone walks through the door, we seek to help them in a comprehensive way. We ask challenging questions. We want to know how they got there. Uh-huh. We want to know what their plan is for the future. And we want to know how we can participate in helping them get there. Typically, we'll say, what is your long-term plan for fiscal sanity? And how can our short-term intervention help you reach that goal? So you're saying that they're in a state of fiscal insanity. It's, it's almost driving them mad. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. It's fiscal, I believe it's more fiscal denial. Uh-huh. And I know where it starts. You know, before I left Muncie this morning, the last email I got from a friend who cried his heart out in his email, he's been struggling job to job. Uh-huh. At this point, his house is at risk. His marriage is in shambles, and he is he, he feels like he doesn't want to go home. Mm-hmm. What could we have done 25 years ago to put him on a better trajectory? Could we have gotten him the education he needs to hold a stable job? Let me t- paint you a typical picture. A guy is short one month, $100. He goes to his friend, Yankel, and said, can I borrow $100 for a month? Okay, gives it to him. End of the month, he runs to his friend, Chaim, and said, can I borrow $100 for a month, takes it, gives it back to Yanko. Month later, he goes to Yanko and says, can I borrow $100? Goes to Chaim. And he does that for a period of months. He finally gets the two together and said, why am I involved? You two do this without me. I don't need to be part of this. You guys manage without me. There's enough of that going on right now. And it's going on with bigger numbers. People are pushing off, making tough decisions. There will always be poverty. There will always be a neum. But it may not be you. How do you know where you're supposed to be on the financial spectrum? Have you done your best to get an education? Are you putting extra hours into your job? How do you plan to grow your pranas? How do you plan to grow your income? What are you doing about it? You must take responsibility for your life. Well, that's always beats charity funds around. And there will always be organizations here to help you. We will not help someone, by the way, in our organization, unless they're doing all they can. Someone walked into the office this week, unemployed. His employment is he collects tzedakah. 
great. We're not helping you. I can get you a job. If you have limited abilities, we'll get you a job working at a chicken plant. If you have greater ability, we'll teach you how to sell insurance. But you have to do all you can. And then when you need help, we'll be here for you. And hopefully you won't need help. That person that walked in, you feel like they've given up in some respects? Is that what led them to say, hey, I'm 30 years in on this and... Yep. They gave up. Yish is a terrible thing. And by the way, people give up if they... They would not give up if they planned. If they looked at an Excel spreadsheet and can chart where they are, then they wouldn't give up. But if they just put everything on a credit card, well, it's easy to give up. The numbers are insurmountable. And what happens to the children in a household or lack thereof that are going through it, seeing their parents feeling and living this friction? What happens to the children in that state? If I can speak directly to the listener, the damage, long-term psychological damage and emotional damage that they are doing to their children by being fiscally responsible is significant. I can't describe to you the children who come to us. It's the most horrific situation. They live in fear. They live in embarrassment. The man who comes to collect and we turned him down, he showed up with a 14-year-old daughter to translate for him. He never learned English. She was embarrassed. I can't describe what she felt like. Mm. It was all over her face. And she apologized up and down in English, hoping her father wouldn't understand. And we can get the man a job. The children are embarrassed and they're scared. And I know them. And I would plead with the parents, if not for you, at least for your children, give them a more stable life. They can find happiness at reasonable expenditures. They can find fulfillment with reasonable vacations. When we were bringing up our children, my wife had something called Cat Mommy. We didn't send our children to camp. My wife, every day, we, they took different trips. I had a daughter living in Detroit and a son living in Chicago. When we would drive out to see them, we had a plug-in refrigerator for a car, which looks like an icebox. You just plug it in. We would buy our soda cans, the cheapest place, any water drinks, whatever. We, we bought them in the cheapest place back home. Put them in there. We don't know what it is to stop on the side of the road, buy a drink. When we married off our children, we contacted the hall, found out who's making a wedding the night before. We called them up and said, how about we split the cost of flowers? Use it the first night. We use it the second night. You can use your head. I'm here. I drove out to Long Island today not to address the wallet, but to address the mind. Mm. If we think more progressively, we can create a smoother, healthier, happier, more wholesome life for ourselves and for our children. And we must. When you speak about the flowers by the wedding, what comes to mind is, or are the weddings during COVID, those more simple backyard, intimate 50 person wedding. And you know, you see videos of certain weddings that are very much funded by wealthy people who have the means to do that or whatnot. But you know, you, you do wonder how much money is being wasted on things that are that could be put to a better use, right? You mentioned a $10 million budget. That's being funded not by the government per se, but by giving people, right? People with with the means to do that, donations, right? So I guess let's transition into that. Who are these people that are making, is there one wealthy person in, in, 
in a big mansion that's giving you a $10 million check every year and saying, you know, thank God I made it and here's the check? Or is this the average person who, who may or may not have some charity once in a while and making a much needed donation to an organization like yours? So you mentioned two things I'd like to address the first first. You mentioned weddings. Yeah. Um, Rob Roy used to say he wish he wishes the wealthy would make simple weddings so that it would not be embarrassing to others. I can't fault wealthy people for making substantial weddings. They're entitled. It would be helpful if they didn't, or if they, it would be helpful if they if they were lowered a bit. And it's possible they have. It's possible what I consider very fancy is actually by their yardstick very simple. I will not stand in judgment of them. I assume if I had that kind of money, I would do the same thing, if not more. So I don't stand in judgment of any of these people. But So that would make it more comfortable for regular people to make weddings. But if we could put a mindset and say, it's all right. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I mean, you know, when a bar mitzvah boy gets up and a squeaky voice says, today I am a man. He's not a man. When you, you know when you can say that? When you're no longer trying to be something you're not, when you're just yourself, I'm a man. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm not trying to play millionaire. That is a comfortable way to live. And then he is a man. With regard to donors, you brought up two subjects. Um, we get donations of all sizes from all people. I've actually kept one of the donations. Um, it's a woman who lost her house. Her husband was in debt, passed away. The house was foreclosed upon. She had to move. And she sent me $10 cash and just wrote out, said memory of her husband. And I kept that. And I slid it under the keyboard of my office and it's still there. It reminds me how everyone can participate regardless of your financial position. I've been truly touched by so many people. We had an event recently and a little kid came with a piggy bank. At the same time, we have a corporation who gave $100,000. So everyone can and must participate. It gives us purpose in life. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Don't be tongue-tied. No, I'm not tongue-tied as much as, you know, that story is... Uh... What story? The story of the of the woman who houses I know were her. closed on. I know her. I can't describe this story. I know her. That it sits there under. My, I look at that. It's right in front of me. Powerful. People, people inspire me with how they participate. People are truly inspirational. I know they use the word is kicked around too often, but it's amazing how people give. Common people. You know, someone once said. I don't know any great people. I know common people who do great things. Mm-hmm. And I know many of them all over the financial spectrum. Wow. We'll be right back to this week's episode. But first, a quick, amazing success story from Shmuel Shaiwitz of Approved Funding. We've done dozens of episodes together, dozens of sponsorships, and we like a good success story from time to time. Shmuel, what happened? Walk us through it and tell us how someone gained from one simple phone call to you. So there are many success stories. One of my favorites is where the success wasn't for me. It was one of your viewers um, or listeners. Um, Somebody reached out to me, was buying 
we'll call it in the tri-state area, and was on the fence. He was in contract, ready to buy a house, and his friends encouraged him, especially those who already owned homes, his friends encouraged him to buy the home, and they said, look, even if you're overpaying, and even if the rates are too high, you're going to refinance, you're getting, you're getting into something now, home prices are only going to go higher. It really doesn't pay not to. He went in with that advice, and when I was talking to him, I said, look, using your strategy, using your um, philosophy, let's play that out. Let's say you can't refinance. Then where would that leave you? And then he'd say, well, I'm overpaying for the home. I can't afford the payments. He said, no, I, could over, I can afford to overpay for a couple of months, but I can't do this you know, indefinitely. I said, well, the reason that you might not be able to refinance or, or finance again would be if your credit changes, if your job changes, if your employment changes, if you went from employed to self-employed. And he's like, whoa, 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 what would you just say? I said, yeah, if let's say you become self-employed, you need a two-year history and there's all these little criteria. And some of the things that I told him to avoid or to be mindful of, he's like, wait, what happens if I'm X, Y, and Z? I said, then I would tell you to be a little bit cautious. And fast forward, this was a couple of months ago. He called me, he reached out to me recently mm -hmm. to send me his resume to say, look, you know, job didn't pan out and uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking for, and thankfully, thank you for not allowing me to uh, go ahead with this. So he didn't buy the home. And he did not buy the home and he is forever grateful. Right. Sometimes. And what, he said, I can actually share the story. Oh, okay, good. Sometimes what you don't do is, is more important than what you do do. So um, highly, highly recommend um, if you have a question in the finance slash real estate space, highly, highly recommend reaching out to Shmuel Shiowitz, who's becoming a prized resource for many all over the world. Approvedfunding.com slash kosher money. Look him up. Link is in the show notes. And now back to this week's episode. So people listening today, right? Do you find that those who, who want to give to a, a charity that's assisting people, do you find that it's best to automate that donation, sort of like set it and forget it so that they're giving without having to take action each month? Is it better to do annually? Is it better to give a donation, but also get involved? And, you know, you mentioned dropping off boxes, you know, as a family, you can go ahead and do that. How do you recommend to families that have an interest either monetarily or physically to get involved? What, what do you recommend to them? Our greatest asset is uh, communal participation. Whether people give monthly, automated, otherwise, that's really reflects their, their style of giving. That doesn't make a difference. Try to find your strength and see if you can lend it to the community. When we started our adult education courses, it started with one person who had a diamond business and the business failed. And he came to me and he asked me if someone could teach him to use computers. He said, I'm going to have to learn from the beginning. That snowballed into volunteers teaching courses. And that's, that's great. Now, other people, last, last night, uh, many, you know, when we gave out our, um, we were packing at the warehouse, many fathers, sons, daughters were all there together. And the prior night, the, the mothers were there with, with their daughters. And that's a beautiful way of giving. So wonderful people have come to participate. I remember a dear friend, my mentor, Eli Hirsch, who's no longer with us. When I asked him to participate at the warehouse, he said to me, all my life I've written checks. I've never worked with my girlfriend, my body. I want to come. I want to do that. Well, that's another great method. But then people keep coming to us with other ideas. Uh, a man came to us this week and he's considering um, putting money into incubating companies. Other people run 
other initiatives. We run Southern Finkelkota's Food Outlet, which is an outlet where people can purchase food at cost every second month. Other people's run that. Mm. It's a, everyone's got to find their niche and approach respectfully whatever charity is in your community and without pushing, saying, I'd like to offer my services. This is my strength. This mm. is what I'm good at. Do you think you could use that strength? And if so, I'd like to participate. I like that. Because people people have a variety of strengths. There's, there's, you know, you and your neighbor could be making the same amount of money, but you bring a skill set in entirely different areas, and both could be valuable assets to a nonprofit. Everyone has something that they can add. We as a community, we need to harness the accumulative talents residing within us to help each other. It's been the history of the Jewish nation surviving the Gullahs. We need to harness our talents. We need to look after each other. We need to help each other in any way we can. And no two people are going to have the same talents. Everyone's going to have their own unique talent. Use it. What's your message? What's your advice to someone in their low 20s, a newly married couple? What tangible one thing would you like to see them do to set themselves up for success? I would like them to, number one, chart all of the income and expenses on an Excel spreadsheet. Do not live a life where you deprive yourself of things because that's not sustainable. You're either going to have to bring your income up to meet your lifestyle or bring your lifestyle down to meet your income. Dream big, explore different business opportunities. More and more, someone's going to have to have their own business because it's rare that someone can be an employee and still make it. It doesn't work. If you can do it, more power to you. Try to plan and then have a good time. Enjoy it. When my wife and I budgeted over the years, we had a great time doing it. Mm -hmm. It was a stick. How much money can you save doing the same thing? We knew the cheapest gas stations. We knew how to buy the sodas back there and drive across town. We uh, drive across the country. We could. All, we had a great time doing it. It's doable. My wife grew up on a farm. Ain't no more common sense than someone grown up on a farm. Let me just tell you, when we went to Israel, every night for a week before, my wife took the crock pot, put a cooking bag in, put a dinner in, turned it on. In the morning, she put it in the freezer. And repeat, 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 and then you slide the bag out and seal it. When we went to Israel, we took all those bags, took that crock pack, got on the plane. When we got to the other side, well, every night for dinner, she just took something we made at home, slid it into the crock pot, turned it on low. We went out for the day, came home, we had hot dinner. It doesn't cost us anything. It's fun. It's a sport. Living within your means can be truly enjoyable. It frees you up. It frees, it gives you yishavadasi. It frees up your mind mm -hmm. to focus on other things that are more important. We're not supposed to spend our lives focusing on a budget. It's no different than oil in a car. It has to be there. It doesn't have to be the focal point. If you have enough oil in the car, well, you can drive a lot of great places. You can have a, a really fulfilling life. Let's just get the basics down up front, nice and early, so that you don't have to focus on it. Charge your expenses and income every month. And just go ahead, live life. You mentioned that you're helping people find jobs, find businesses to get into. What would you recommend to someone starting out? Are there industries that you think people should be taking a serious look at because it can be a real source of livelihood, 
Um, is it insurance? What, what, are, what are some of the things you're saying? You mentioned a really good one. When I guide people now, it's very, very difficult. People should take aptitude tests. That's, that would be optimum. Uh-huh. Even though how good they are, you know, it's, sometimes I feel like it's throwing a dart at, at a board. But let's assume for a moment, that's a great way to start. You have to ask yourself what your strengths are. I love the insurance field. I was for decades in the jewelry business. After a sale was made, I had my profit and that's that. When it comes to insurance, it's an annuity. Every year you get additional commission. I've encouraged people to go into insurance. And I have on multiple occasions said, start out, I'm going to be your first sale. And I've done it. I bought policies because I'm trying to encourage them. People can make real livings in insurance. But other things, you know, there was a while Amazon, but Amazon is a, is a double-edged sword. A lot of people get hurt. I remember a fellow with the 580-some-odd thousand credit card debt. Amazon, he went to Amazon on the side and it, it collapsed. Amazon can shut someone down like this. Mm-hmm. I can't give you, I can't give you, it changes. I remember when, when telecommunication was the thing 25 years ago and then it came nursing homes. I can't tell you. Right. And even if you were to say it can change in five years again. By the time I leave this studio, it'll right. be changed. Right. Now it's artificial intelligence, AI. And then in five years, it'll be uh, teleportation. I'm in the opposite, uh, opposite end of that spectrum when it comes to AI. Right. I do not have a smartphone. I have a flip phone and it's usually off. It's called getalife.com. <laughs> I don't know anything about AI or technology. Technology and I do not get along well. I said people need to reach me. They can either email me, call, or send a postcard. That's it. Postcard's probably a little bit quicker. Postcard either does it does not make it these days, but that's yeah. fine. So so email. Aha. Uh-huh. So what what is the best email? Do you want to share that if people want to get in sure. touch with ideas? What what's the I would best love way? people to contact me. My email address is alan at t o m c h e s h a b b o s dot org. I'd like to know more about you. Share with me the ideas you have. I'm open to conversation. I speak to people from around the world, and it's enriched my life. And very often we've grown together. We've shared ideas. Some of my closest friends are in Florida and Massachusetts and Cape Cod and I'm all over the place. And it's great. I don't know if I can help someone, guide them. I don't know how qualified I am to guide someone who lives in Kentucky or even New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But I'll do my level best if necessary to put them in touch with someone. I, to the best of my ability and given time constraints, sure. Well, there, there's so much more we can cover, but, but I feel like we've given people a good starting point what to think about right even some action items um i could have envisioned actually coming down with a video crew and seeing what your day looks like what time are you waking up these days i get up early five six o'clock no far earlier than that but that's because i have a lot on my plate i don't want to sleep I, I, without, I haven't set an alarm in years. I wouldn't know what it looks like. Uh-huh. Um, I get up very early. And what's very telling is the emails I get, 1 o'clock, 2.15 a.m., that people can't sleep. I can't describe it. The email I got this morning was sent during the night. Uh-huh. I know the fellow well. He's going mad. The guy's going mad. You, you can't sleep at a times like that. Right. When, when the world is quiet and you're just left with your thoughts, your head hits the pillow, and that's when people get stressed. You know, during the day, you're, you're busy, there's distractions. At night, it's when it all hits you. Nights, I, I reflect on some of the challenges. I get clarity. When you walk away 
from the hubbub and the noise and the phone calls and the emails and people running in and out of the office, you have time to reflect and to think. And you arrive the next morning with answers you didn't have the night before. You have much more clarity. It helps. This is not, if I can use Hebrew words, it's not Dine Mominos, it's Dine Nefashas. It's not a monetary issue. The people's lives at stake. Right now, I, I shouldn't say this, maybe it's painful for me to be away from the office and be here. Right. I did it because it's the right thing to do. If I can affect some people, I will. There are people today in serious trouble. And when I leave here, I'll go directly to the office and I have to address it. And we as a community will be addressing it alongside me. I'm not the only one. We'll be right back to this week's episode. It's a raw episode. It's a real episode. You see poverty is real. And we want to help people, help your neighbors, look up a charity in your neighborhood, and uh, help our brethren, help our uh, friends in Israel with Kol Chabad. Kolchabad.org slash kosher money. You know, $5, $10, $18, whatever you can do to give. Um, there's someone out in LA that's super passionate about Kol Chabad, the work they do, the tens of thousands of people that they reach. It's probably hundreds of thousands weekly. They need our help. Food, shelter, clothing, resources. Resources going go a long way. And there are people all over the world donating. So next time you're in Israel and you're at the Western Wall, you're at the Kosal, turn around, you'll see a huge building for Kol Chabad. That's just one of many across the country, helping Israel's neediest, regardless of race, religion, situation. They're there to help. Okay? So please give from the goodness of your heart, kolchabad.org slash kosher money. Link is in the show notes. And now back to this week's episode. What did we not cover in our short time here that you think is a message to share with people? It's tough because it's going to be Gomorrah, the Talmud, Gomorrah, Be'ah, Daftezayin, and Aleph. The Gomorrah says that between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, how much money a person is going to make that year is set. The term used in Gomorrah, Ketsuvim Lo, it's set. And Rashi, the great commentator, says right there on the top, first Rashi, since it's not going to change, be careful not to overspend. The number set. You're going to run into trouble if you overspend. Right there, first Rashi on the top of the daf. It would be helpful if people, people feel comfortable with themselves. If I can bring out just one other point. The carbon oliviarate. The Chinuch Paskins that if the Oni brings the carbon of the Oshir, he's not Yotze. Follow? So let's all be real. Let's just get real and be who we are. Let's not try to be people we're not. Let's plan our financial future. Some of us will need help. Others are there to give it. Let's all participate in our communities. Where there will always be poverty, but not to the extent we're seeing today. And it should never be self-inflicted. Be all you can be. Educate yourself to the best extent of your ability. Take an aptitude test. Reach your friends. Ask them if they can help you find a better job. Ask them if they can suggest getting into a business. Let's be responsible for our own lives. We must take stock of our own lives. Each of us is responsible to bring up a healthy and wholesome family with children growing up in a balanced environment. 
and we will have been given them the biggest and best gift ever. Financial stability, stability. Not only for that, they will have a life without feeling the tension in the home. You may never say a word about money, but they feel it in the air. Focus on other things. Turn to your kid who just comes home from school and say, how was your day? I made you chocolate chip cookies. And let her tell you about her day. Let her not feel the tension that's in your heart. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rabbi Allen. I'm not Rabbi. I'm done? Yeah. You're the man. Take care. And he's off. He's off to the races. Yes. He's out of here. I have so much going on right now. You have no idea. What time do you go to sleep? Before I get up, but not much. Before he gets up, but not much. There's a lot going on. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you. I don't know if it's worth anything. This is worth a lot. Okay, good. Keep this in. This I'm sorry? Well, I'm going to keep this in. Keep what in? This, this, this conversation will be part of it. <laughs> he cracked you. Yeah, that's the way. Take care. Be well. That's the outro. <laughs> wow. I've never done that before. He was he was amazing. He was Yaakov, come sit down here. You have to sit. This is the outro. Yaakov actually just walked in. We we did this. Um, it was scheduled for 9 a.m. He calls me at 8 15. He's like, Can we do it 8 30? I'm like, Oh, really? I'm like, I, I can get there 8 45. He walked in. He was pacing the hallway back and forth. You, you know, he just left. Yeah, he, he I ran out. I couldn't even say hi to him. Yeah, he ran out. He literally ran. He literally ran out. I've never met a person. Okay, first of all, I've never met a person like him. He is so intense, so wise, and so in a rush. He For is, what? He's just a big doer? He's a big doer. He has a mission, and he's looking to fulfill it. He is now back off to Muncie. The only reason he came in is because he feels that he can help a lot of people. Get this. I cried during the episode. Really? Yeah. I'm not a crier. You should put that in the thumbnail. No, There's no intro, by the Was way. Was he like insulting you? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, he- You were saying he, story. He said a story that just uh. hit me at my core. Wow. So and, and, then, and then I'm silent for like 20 seconds. He goes, don't be tongue-tied. I'm like, no, I'm not tongue-tied. I just don't know what this, like, you fried me. Like, wow. Okay, thank you for watching or listening to this week's episode. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, go ahead and share this with people you think you'll all enjoy. Go ahead and support our sponsors. I don't know if you are watching this, but Ellie and I are both rocking our Twillery shirts. My, I literally was wearing a different shirt today. And my wife's like, no, no, we're the Twillery one. Oh, tonight. really? Then tonight, she's like, you have to wear the Twillery it's one. It's nice. They're nice They're shirts, They're great right? shirts. And um and and Cole Chabad, we're hearing so many beautiful things. We're yes. in touch with the team. It's the impact that that you can make in Israel for the Israel's most neediest people. It's incredible and approved funding. Shmuel funding. Shmuel Shaiwitz. But I want to say Cole Chabad. Yeah, sure. Alan is from Tomche, right? Like if you want to support people in Israel, Cole Chabad. Look them up. Links in the show notes. But you know what I really liked about this fellow. He didn't mention how at the end, like how someone can donate to Tom. Like he wasn't here for Tomche. He was here. To he help. was here to spread a message. And he said, "You in your community, look up your organization." Like he, he, he didn't want someone in Kentucky to look up Muncie's charitable organization and give there. If someone in Kentucky is suffering, his message is basically like, "Look for your neighbors. Look for people. And if you don't have money." To support them, 
Help them with your skill. Which I know is not even his intention, which is always the best way to help yeah. Tomche because he's not selling anything. He's just trying to say, be good. And then people are like, hey, I like people like that. It's correct, so correct. Which is a, a tip, right? If you if you reach out to us and you say, hey, I want to be on the podcast. I can do A, B, and C, and D. And this is how, this is my business. Like, it's a no, right? Like, right. we're not here to to promote your business and oh, by the way, when you have all your friends submit your name within yeah, like three obvious. days, yeah. we know that too. So be a little bit classier, be selfless, right? We're looking for people that are making a real difference. You know who's like that? Yeah, who? It's a great segue, Shmuel Shaiwitz. Shmuel Shaiwitz. <laughs> he's great. No, because yeah, you know what? We got involved with him. He's obviously advertising on the show and, and go ahead and check to prove funding because they're incredible. But what I really love about Shmuel is the fact that so many people ask him questions and he he's like, yeah, I'm here to help. I put something on my status and he's like, give the person my personal cell. I just uh, want to keep talking. Yeah, tell, and, and I want you to tell him about Twillery. I feel like this outro feel like is too long. Talent. Our data like, is, is coming back. Yeah, maybe he wants more. So you know what's very funny about this episode in particular? I just came to the office now. Um, it's pretty early here. And I didn't hear the episode yet. You all have the advantage that you already watched this episode. So... I'm curious. Uh, please leave in the comments your favorite takeaway from this episode because I don't yet know. But obviously, once this goes out, I'll hopefully watch or listen to this episode. But leave in the show comments and in YouTube your favorite moment, your favorite lesson, the favorite idea that Alan shared or maybe Ellie said. By the way, I read. The I feel like it's too long of an outro. No, it's fine. People are gonna listen. People message me when I. If say you're still it, listening, let us know on YouTube. <laughs> Um, people were writing words in YouTube comment sections on your podcast, like Geschmack, 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 or joy, joy, joy. And I'll be honest with you, I don't listen to your podcast. So I was confused. Yeah. Yehuda Newman, the person who I had on the past episode we released, he's like, it took, he's like, I didn't rewatch the episode because I was on it. And he's like, everyone's saying brilliant. And then he's like, then I watched the outro. And you (laughs) asked people to say that. He's like, ah. Mommy's going to be upset that I say that I don't listen to your podcast. I'm not a podcast guy. I don't even listen to my own podcast. And and my you don't even why would you listen to your own podcast right I'm the one editing it but theoretically oh I do listen there is one podcast I listen to Rabbi Breitowitz yeah yeah he's he is fantastic this is not an ad Rabbi Breitowitz in Arsameach produced by our friend Zevi Kaufman he gets posed questions questions and answers Mm -hmm. and phenomenal phenomenal this um, is an ad by the way yeah this is an ad you should you should subscribe to the rabbi Brideau. we're gonna interview him he's just gonna be phenomenal i'm gonna yeah. be in israel in um september so if you're there and you want to connect with me um let's do that um those are our sponsors this is living l'chaim we got some good stuff in the works we're working on events yeah um new, we're actually gonna podcast have... we're going yeah way too much if you're listening to this in what month are we in june we're in july 2023 we're gonna have a an event in Lakewood. Yeah, July, July 18th. 18th. If you're in Lakewood or you want to travel to Lakewood, New Jersey, uh, you will see in the show notes, we'll have a link so that you could... Let's call space, but most people will be listening after July 18th. That's fine. So we'll, We're going to put a link to Rabbi Naftali Horowitz. Okay, so uh, you'll, you'll see it. If, if it's before the event, go ahead and come to the event. And if it's after the event, you're from the future. <laughs> Hello, future people. Go ahead and check out the videos from the event. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Twillery. I don't have the pants on yet. They're tailoring my I pants. Have, I actually have my Twillery pants. Yeah. I, I'm not kidding. The most comfortable pair of pants I own. Yeah. People, I, are, 
You know, this is weird. I this is weird. I'll say it. I don't care. I sometimes sleep in them. <laughs> I promise. Because you fall asleep on your couch at night. But I will tell you, people are like, "What are you talking about? You're a podcast for money." And 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 yes, we are biased. They are paying us to say this, and they are not the cheapest pants in the world. You could get cheaper pants elsewhere. But that's exactly what it is. They're not cheap. Right. They're not cheap because right. because you're paying for what you get. Where at kosher money, I think people think that like, oh, you got to be frugal. And no, no, the whole goal of the show is to help you live a happier life when it comes to money. Right. So with Twillery or just anything, anything you buy, you want it to be a good investment. So if you're buying shirts or clothing that the material is comfortable, you look great, right. it lasts a very long time, and you get your bang for your buck, then of course that's a good yeah. investment for, On it's not investment tip, by the way. <laughs> On Amazon, I used to buy these shoes. I think they were Bruno Mark shoes, 30 bucks. And I'm like, it's so cheap. It's great. And the, it lasted me three months. So right. four times a year, I would buy Bruno Mark shoes. I'm paying 120 bucks. Like 30 if, cents a day? If, if I would have bought a pair of shoes for 120 bucks, it would have lasted me two years. Right. I would have saved um, the money. The Twillery pants, that I know we're talking about that. Ah, we're giving yeah. them a big plug. Here. The Twillery pants that I'm wearing. They don't pay us for this this much of I know. Ad. The the pants I'm wearing, I have it's not they just sent us a bunch of clothing so we could try it out. The yeah. pants I'm currently wearing, I have for at least four years now. Did you wear the shirt yesterday? It's a little dirty here. I shaved my beard this morning. Are you serious? Yeah. We should do an entire episode on just talking to you while you're shaving your beard and the emotions. Why do you have a beard like this? I'm not even sure yet. I was thinking of shaving it off. I- I'm going to a very big event tonight. What event? I don't I don't know if you say it on air. Yes, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not gonna say it. it's okay. political. No, ooh, Ben Shapiro. We should gotta we should we get him on the podcast? Maybe. Okay. Stay tuned. Living the high. Good. Let's do it again. <laughs> I was looking to make sure to record. Yeah. Did I hit record there?